The Hobbit, Chapter 7, Queer Lodgings, Part 3. They thanked him, of course, with many bows and sweepings of their hoods, and with many an at your service, O master of the wide wooden halls. But their spirits sank at his grave words, and they all felt that the adventure was far more dangerous than they had thought, while all the time, even if they passed all the perils of the road, the dragon was waiting at the end. All that morning they were busy with preparations. Soon after midday, they ate with Bayon for the last time, and after the meal they mounted the steeds he was lending them, and bidding them many farewells, they rode off through his gate at a good pace. As soon as they left his high hedges at the east of his fenced lands, they turned north and then bore to the northwest. By his advice, they were no longer making for the main forest road to the south of his land. Had they followed the pass, their path would have led them down a stream from the mountains that joined the great river miles south of the Karak. At that point, there was a deep ford which they might have passed if they had still had their ponies, and beyond that a track led to the skirts of the wood and to the entrance of the old forest road. But Bayon had warned them that that way was now often used by the goblins. While the forest road itself, he had heard, was overgrown and disused at the eastern end and led to impassable marshes where the paths had long been lost. Its eastern opening had also always been far to the south of the Lonely Mountain and would have left them still with a long and difficult northward march when they got to the other side. North of the Karak, the edge of Mirkwood drew close to the borders of the Great River, and though here the mountains too drew down nearer, Bayern advised them to take this way, for at a place a few days' ride due north of the Karak was the gate of the little lone pathway through Mirkwood that led almost straight towards the Lonely Mountain. The goblins, Bayon had said, will not dare to cross the Great River for a hundred miles north of the Karak, nor to come near my house. It is well protected at night. But I should ride fast, for if they make their raid soon, they will cross the river to the south and scour all the edge of the forest so as to cut you off, and wards run swifter than ponies. Still, you are safer going north, even though you seem to be going back nearer to their strongholds, for that is what they least expect, and they will have the longer ride to catch you. Be off now, as quick as you may. That is why they were now riding in silence, galloping whenever the ground was grassy and smooth, with the mountains dark on their left, and in the distance the line of the river, with its trees drawing ever closer. The sun had only just turned west when they started, and till evening it lay golden on the land about them. It was difficult to think of pursuing goblins behind, and when they had put many miles between them and Bayorn's house, they began to talk and to sing again, and to forget the dark forest path that lay in front. But in the evening, when the dusk came on, and the peaks of the mountains glowered against the sunset, they made a camp and set a guard, and most of them slept uneasily, with dreams in which there came the howl of hunting wolves and the cries of goblins. Still, the next morning dawned bright and fair again. There was an autumn-like mist white upon the ground, 
and the air was chill. But soon the sun rose red in the east, and the mist vanished, and while the shadows were still long, they were off again. So they rode now for two more days, and all the while they saw nothing save grass and flowers and birds and scattered trees, and occasionally small herds of red deer browsing or sitting at noon in the shade. Sometimes Bilbo saw the horns of the hearts sticking up out of the long grass, and at first he thought they were the dead branches of trees. That third evening they were so eager to press on, for Bayorn had said that they should reach the forest glade early on the fourth day, that they rode still forward after dusk and into the night beneath the moon. As the light faded, Bilbo thought he saw a way to the right or to the left, the shadowy form of a great bear prowling along in the same direction. But if he dared to mention it to Gandalf, the wizard only said, Hush, take no notice. Next day they started before dawn, though their night had been short. As soon as it was light, they could see the forest coming, as it were, to meet them, or waiting for them like a black and frowning wall before them. The land began to slope up and up, and it seemed to the hobbit that a silence began to draw in upon them. Birds began to sing less. There were no more deer. Not even rabbits were to be seen. By the afternoon they had reached the eaves of Mirkwood, and were resting almost beneath the great overhanging boughs of its outer trees. Their trunks were huge and gnarled, their branches twisted, their leaves were dark and long. Ivy grew on them and trailed along the ground. Well, here is Mirkwood, said Gandalf, the greatest of the forests of the northern world. I hope you like the look of it. Now you must send back these excellent ponies you have borrowed. The dwarves were inclined to grumble at this, but the wizard told them they were fools. Bayorn is not far off, as you seem to think, and you had better keep your promises anyway, for he is a bad enemy. Mr. Baggins' eyes are sharper than yours if you have not seen each night after dark a great bear going along with us or standing far off in the moon watching our camps. Not only to guard you and guide you, but to keep an eye on the ponies too. Bayorn may, may be your friend, but he loves his animals as, as his children. You do not guess what kindness he has shown you in letting dwarves ride them so far and so fast, nor what would happen to you if you tried to take them into the forest. What about the horse then, said, Gant, said Thorin? You didn't mention sending that back. I don't because I am not sending it. What about your promise then? I will look after that. I am not sending the horse back. I am riding it. Then they knew that Gandalf was going to leave them at the very edge of Mirkwood, and they were in despair. But nothing, but nothing they could say would change his mind. Now, we had this all out before when we landed on the Carrock, he said. It is, no, it is no use arguing. I have, as I told you, some pressing business away south, and I am already late through bothering with you people. We, we may meet again before all is over, and then again, of course, we may not. That depends on your luck and on your courage and sense, and I am sending Mr. Baggins with you. I have told you before that he has more about him than you guess, and you will find that out before long, 
So cheer up, Bilbo, and don't look so glum. Cheer up, Thorn and company. This is your expedition, after all. Think of the treasure at the end, and forget the forest and the dragon, at any rate, until tomorrow morning. When tomorrow morning came, he still said the same. So now there was nothing left to do but to fill their water skins at a clear spring they found close to the forest gate and unpack the ponies. They distributed the packages as fairly as they could, though Bilbo thought his lot was wearisomely heavy and did not at all like the idea of trudging for miles and miles with all that on his back. Don't you worry, said Thorin. It will get lighter all too soon. Before long, I expect we shall all wish our packs heavier when the food begins to run short. Then at last they said goodbye to their ponies and turned their heads for home. Off they trotted gaily, seeming very glad to put their tails towards the shadow of Mirkwood. As they went away, Bilbo could have sworn that a thing like a bear left the shadow of the trees and shambled off quickly after them. Now Gandalf too said farewell. Bilbo sat on the ground feeling very unhappy and wishing he was beside the wizard on his tall horse. He had gone just inside the forest after breakfast, a very poor one, and it had seemed as dark in there in the morning as at night and very secret, a sort of watching and waiting feeling, he said to himself. Goodbye, said Gandalf to Thorn, and goodbye to you all, goodbye. Straight through the forest is your way now. Don't stray off the track. If you do, it is a thousand to one you will never find it again and never get out of Mirkwood, and then I don't suppose I, or anyone else, will ever see you again. Do we really have to go through, groaned the hobbit? Yes, you do, said the wizard. If you want to get to the other side, you must either go through or give up your quest. And I am not going to allow you to back out now, Mr. Baggins. I am ashamed of you for thinking of it. You have got to look after all these dwarves for me. He laughed. No, no, said Bilbo. I didn't mean that. I meant, is there no way around? There is, if you care to go 200 miles or so out of your way north and twice that south. But you wouldn't get a safe path even then. There are no safe paths in this part of the world. Remember, you are over the edge of the wild now and in for all sorts of fun wherever you go. Before you could get round Mirkwood in the north, you would, be right, you would be right among the slopes of the Grey Mountains, and they are simply stiff with goblin, goblins, hobgoblins, and orcs of the worst description. Before you could get round it in the south, you would get into the land of the Negromancer, and even you, Bilbo, won't need to tell won't need me to tell you tales of that black sorcerer. I don't advise you to go anywhere near the places overlooked by his dark tower. Stick to the forest track, keep your spirits up, hope for the best, and with a tremendous slice of luck, you may come out one day and see the long marshes lying beneath you, and beyond them, high in the east, the lonely mountain where dear old Smaug lives, though I hope he is not expecting you. Very comforting you are, to be sure, growled Thorin. Goodbye. If you won't come with us, you had better get off without any more talk. Goodbye, then, 
and really goodbye, said Gandalf, and he turned his horse and rode down into the west. But he could not resist the temptation to have the last word. Before he had passed quite out of hearing, he turned and put his hands to his mouth and called to them. They heard his voice come faintly. Goodbye, be good, take care of yourselves, and don't leave the path. Then he galloped away and was soon lost to sight. Oh, goodbye and go away, grunted the dwarves, all the more angry because they really were filled with dismay at losing him. Now began the most dangerous part of all the journey. They each shouldered the heavy pack and the water skin, which was their share, and turned from the light that lay on the lands outside and plunged into the forest. End of part three.